0: So tonight as we continue our series, we're talking about the power of words. And we've been in the book of Proverbs, and if you'd spent time in personal worship this week, uh, you thought maybe it was ironic that we're talking about the power of words, and there was about a million passages and a lot of words you had to read. You know, I was doing some research this week, and I found something very interesting. So the average person spends one-fifth of their life communicating. One-fifth of your life is done talking, or maybe now texting as well, or sending emails. At one-fifth of your life, you are using words to communicate, which means in a given year, the average person writes 132 books of 200 pages every single year, which is about seven million words. You either speak, or text, or email every single year. Now, some of you may be like, I only write 50 books. Right? I don't talk a lot. And some of you are like, I write a 1,000 books. right? Because you're like, I, I can't stop talking. All I do is talk. But the average person uses 7 million words a year. 7 million. One-fifth of your life. And so this topic that is you know, discussing words and whether they have power and how do we use our words is a really important topic because it involves one-fifth of your life. I mean, you have 7 million opportunities in a given year to be foolish or to be wise with your words because words have power. You know, all movements, every type of movement that's ever existed and ever will exist requires carefully crafted communication. I don't know if you are like me and your Netflix queue is about 85, 90% documentaries that you keep telling yourself you're gonna watch, you know, and then you watch one and you're like, oh, I can't watch anymore because now I have to change everything about my life, right? Very careful, agenda-driven documentaries are very careful with the words they use because they want to convince you to believe what they hold is true, and so they're very mindful about what they say and how they say it because they want to persuade you because they understand that the words they use have power, And maybe some of you are like, I know. I've watched What the Health, and I'm a vegan, you know? (laughs) Or some of you are like, are sitting there thinking, you know, my political opinions are changing. Or maybe you're like me, and you're like, I didn't go to bed last night because I watched conspiracy theories all night long. And I don't even know what's real anymore. Because you're convinced, right, by words, they have power. And they can convince you of certain things if they're used well. And people understand this. James 3 says this. It will be on the screen behind me. It says, If we put bits into the mouths of horses so they'll obey us, we guide their whole body as well. Look at the ships also, though. They're so large and are driven by strong winds, they're guided by a very, very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. Saying this, Think about a horse. You put a bit in a horse. I've only ridden a horse a couple times. They're kind of scary. But you ride a horse, and you put a little thing in its mouth, and it just directs its entire body. Or a ship is guided by a small rudder. James is saying here that the tongue, though it's very small, has great power. It has great power. People are guided by words. Communities are changed and directed by words. Because they have great power. And as it says in Proverbs, that words actually have the power of life and death. Look what it says in Proverbs 18 Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it eat its fruit. Do you believe that? Do you believe that words actually have the power of life and death? In 2016, there were 6,078 deaths reported between the ages of 15 and 24. 6,078 between the ages of 15 and 24. And the thing that every, all of these deaths had in common were two things. One, they were all by way of suicide. And they were all because of words. Every letter that was written, every note that was left by a child that decided to end their life was because they were either ridiculed, they were bullied on social media, somebody continually said something about their appearance, or was making jabs at them about something, they had enough. And they decided that it, the only thing they should do is to take their life, that words actually do have the power of life or death. They're very, very powerful. But words not only have the power of life and death, words in general can feel like sword thrusts, you're being stabbed with a sword. It's what it says in Proverbs 12. It says, the one whose rash words are like sword thrusts, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. So either you can use your words to stab somebody like a sword, or you can use your words to bring healing to somebody. The words are really powerful. And see, when, when you're stabbed by a sword, it, it leaves a wound, right? And that wound leaves a scar. And I'm going to, you know, bear my soul with you all tonight uh, a little bit. I don't know if you're like me, if you've ever uh, experienced words that have left scars, right? They were wounds, and they hurt a little bit, and then they became scars. When I was in middle school, there was this kid, and... Uh, he, he made fun of me, right? Yeah, I don't know if you've ever been made fun of for something. And Here's what he made fun of me for. He made fun of me because I have a large nose and because I have a big bottom lip, okay? So, you know, and I'm in middle school, I'm still trying to figure out everything. I'm growing into my body, and he used to make fun of me for having a big nose and having a big bottom lip. Well, you know, I, I was the kind of kid, I'll, I said something back to him, I called him some names too, because I, I didn't want him to know that it affected me, right? I didn't want, I wanted to pass it off like, oh, this kid, you know, look at this kid, what is wrong with this kid? But it hurt, right? It felt like a sword thrust, and I'd play it off, and I'd, that, that sword thrust that was a wound's Eventually became a scar and I got a little bit older, you know, and it started to hurt less and less But here's some of the effects, right? So I was very very careful in in high school not to take profile pictures Or or sometimes I would actually try to like suck in my bottom lip for pictures not make it look as big because sword thrust words can leave scars. And then you know, I got older and I think as everyone gets older they get a little bit nicer because everybody has scars and everybody has wounds and you're afraid that somebody's gonna like kind of tap into the one that you feel and so you get a little bit nicer and you're not as mean as you used to be in middle school and everyone's just saying stuff to everybody. So it was good, it was gone. and then a movie came out. And I really liked this movie but then I very quickly hated the movie and that movie was Napoleon Dynamite. And you know where I'm going here, right don't you? See, I, I love the movie, and it was hilarious, and I thought it'd be fun to learn the dance, and I, I didn't have a problem with the fact that he had curly hair, or he had a really silly personality, or the way he said, Tina, eat your food. You know, I didn't, I didn't have a problem with all that, but when people started telling me that, you know, that I look like Napoleon Dynamite, especially when I had big curly fro, even though they weren't trying to be mean, it was just silly, because I kind of do look like them a little bit. It affected me. Why? Because he has a big nose and a big bottom lip. You see, words feel like sword thrusts, and they leave wounds that become scars, and they stick with you. And it takes a long time for those things to heal. They are very, very powerful. And so, Proverbs is going to say a few things to us about how we should not only use our words, but how we should Also be careful of the words that we consume. We should be careful with who we listen to. Look what Proverbs 10 says. It says, The mouth of the righteous brings forth wisdom, but the perverse tongue will be cut off. The lips of the righteous know what is acceptable, but the mouth of the wicked what is perverse. See, Proverbs here is likening speech to the production of fruit. It's saying that speech can either produce fruit that is healing, that revives you, that gives you energy. Or it can produce fruit that is rotten. And when you consume it, and when you hear it, and when you ingest it, it destroys you. It actually breaks down your body. And the only thing that is to be done with rotten fruit, as it says here, is is to cut it off. Because what Proverbs is getting at is What you consume, right, what you ingest in terms of the words that you listen to and the things that you believe as you consume them in in, in a, in a facet of mediums, you become that. What you consume is what you produce. There's a Roman philosopher named Seneca in the first century BC, and he rightly said this, speech is the index of the mind, What comes out of your mouth is what you're consuming in your mind. So what you're listening to and what you're reading, the words that have power of life and death and that can leave wounds and scars, they're going to come out in your speech. And so it's making you think things like, am I continuously consuming things that are negative It should ask you, it should cause you to ask questions like, what are the majority of the websites that I read or the podcasts that I listen to or the conversations that I engage in or the music that I listen to? Is it destructive and is it rotten and is it really deserving to be cut off or is it healing and reviving and full of energy? Because what you consume, what you fill in your mind will come out in your speech. So you have to be careful what you listen to. You see, if you consume things that are rotten and that's the majority of what you're consuming, it's going to affect the way you treat your loved ones. It's going to affect the way that you speak to your kids. It's going to affect the way that you speak to your friends or you engage in a contentious conversation at work or when there's a disagreement with somebody and you don't, you don't understand how they believe this, how you handle that conversation, it's going to come out in your speech, you're going to become what you don't want to be. You're going to become negative and cutting with a harsh tone and maybe scary a bit to some people. You're really going to become, in reality, a bully because what you're consuming is perverse and negative and cutting and is people that are bullying other people to try to believe their position and you'll become a bully because... All you listen to are bullies, right? And and not all bullies are the same. I was thinking about that this week. You know, when we say the word bully, we often think of like Billy Madison or Doyle Rules. You know, like driving on the Doyle Rules. You know, like that's not all bullies. It, It can be sneaky because bullies always huddle in packs. Have you ever noticed that? You ever watch a movie? It's got a bully in the movie. The bully is never alone. The bully is never isolated. They're always with a group. Maybe there's one person that speaks up and is like the mean one, but they're all in it. There's a whole pack of people. And they're all believing the same thing and they're promoting the same thing and they're being harsh and cutting and negative and, and, and what's coming out of their mouth is really rotten, and maybe only one person speaking, but everybody is a part of it. I was thinking about that this week. You know, why does it seem impossible? I don't know if you feel like this. Why does it seem impossible? to have a healthy, energetic, positive, constructive conversation on politics right now. Because most people listen to bullies on one side or the other. They just consume stuff that is rotten and perverse and negative and cutting And is just putting down the other side and gives no credit. There's no conversation. There's nothing interjecting. There's nothing reviving. There's nothing healing. There's nothing positive. It's here's our pack. Here's what we believe. And here's what you need to believe. And they're horrible. And the other side says the same exact thing. You try to have a conversation. Nobody knows how to speak. No one knows how to have a conversation. Because all they know how to do is be negative and cutting and harsh and mean and rotten. Because it's what they're ingesting. It's the podcasts and the shows and the websites and everything they're feeding is that. It's not just in politics and other arenas, right? You, When you listen to bullies, you become a bully. When you consume negativity, you become negative. When you ingest perversion, you become perverse. Who you listen to will affect how you think, and how you think will affect how you speak. So we are to be careful with what we consume, because it comes out in our speech, but we're not only to be careful with what we consume, when it's actually time to speak, we need to take a moment and listen. And this is hard to do. Here's what Proverbs says. Proverbs 18 says, if one gives an answer before he hears, it is his folly and shame. Is that convicting? (laughs) If one gives an answer before he hears, it is his folly and shame. I love when Proverbs is straightforward. If you speak before you listen, you are revealing that you're foolish. You're revealing that you're foolish because what you're conveying to the person you're talking to and every single other person around you is you don't need to listen to what the other person says. You already know what's right. You're already forming your argument in your head you're not listening. You don't need them to finish the context because you're going to interject what you want to say. We talked about this last week. Proverbs 15 says, the way of a fool is right in his own eyes. So much of this is when we speak, right? We, we believe that what we think is 100% right no matter what. We don't need to listen to somebody else. We don't need to hear their opinion. They're probably wrong anyway. And so when they're speaking, it's like, no, 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 you, you need to hear what I'm going to say. Let me interject. Or sometimes maybe we're not as forceful. Maybe we don't interject. We don't cut them off in conversation. But we're not listening. We're just waiting. Like, are they going to be done talking yet so I can finally say what I need to say? Because we've formed our argument. We know what we're going to say. We don't care what they're saying. And then when it's our time, we interject. But we never listened. And we just reveal that we're foolish and it's shameful saying here that, that a wise man and a wise woman not only is mindful and careful about what they consume because it comes out in their speech, but when they do speak, before they speak, they listen. Like actually listen. Not just be quiet, but listen. Listen. You've ever uh, spoken to somebody before, a counselor maybe has told you, if you've ever had a conversation with a counselor, and you're like, I don't know how to have a conversation with this person, and they teach you about listening, right? Listening is when you actually are th- sitting there thinking about what the other person is saying, and before you say what you believe and what you think, you restate what they said, just to make sure you understand where they're coming from. You don't have to do this all the time or get really annoying, right? But do you listen before you speak? Because Proverbs says that the wise man, the wise woman, is slow to speak. They listen to what other people say. And when they do speak, they're very careful with their words. Proverbs 6.15 says, A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. You see, words have power, and when you understand that and you're mindful of what you consume and you're slow to speak and you know that the words that you say and how you respond actually hold the weight of life and death, you are very careful with what you say, especially in contentious conversations, right? And, and this is inevitable for all of us. This is a weekly reality. You're going to be in conversations that are difficult, in work, in social circles, in relationships with your kids, on that never-ending Facebook post that somehow you got brought into that you can't get out of, and it's like 98 comments, and there's one person that just is always commenting. You're stuck there. See, it says a, a, a wise person is very careful and is soft with their response. And this is important. Soft does not mean weak and passive. It does, it does not mean that you just, like, oh, I don't, I'm not going to say what I think. I'm not going to share how I feel. I'm just going to be passive or, or I'm just going to be very weak in my response. It's not what soft means. A, a soft answer means that you've actually listened first. So that when you respond, you actually are empathetic to where the other person is coming from. You understand what they're saying. You may disagree with their position and you're gonna state that you disagree with their position, but your response is gentle. It doesn't feel like a sword because you know how they feel. You've listened to what they think and so your thoughts are carefully crafted when you speak. You're not just trying to assert what you think, you're trying to help them understand carefully as you speak because you've listened to what they've said. And on the opposite side, when you're harsh, right, and you've ex- we've all experienced this, when you are harsh, when you respond with a harsh tone or a harsh word, what happens every single time? The conversation that was contentious escalates. It goes to the next level. It gets to a place that you did not want it to go. You didn't mean for it to go. Or maybe you did mean for it to go there because you were just so mad. A harsh word always stirs up anger, but a soft word quiets it and brings it down. And that's what's difficult, right? Sometimes you're in conversations and you're like, you know, I didn't mean to be harsh. Or I didn't mean to have a, a, an elevated and, and, and aggressive tone. But probably the reason that you were harsh and that you had an aggressive or harsh tone was because you didn't listen. And so you weren't empathetic when you responded. And sometimes you're like, you know what, I can listen all I want, but I'm so mad. I just, I'm, I'm, like, I'm using the words as a sword. I want to fight. like I want to have a sword battle. But you know what the result is, right? It's destructive. It says in verse four, a gentle tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness, and it breaks the spirit. He's saying that the, the wise man and the woman that, that listens in conversation is careful with their response. They're gentle, they're soft, they're empathetic. doesn't mean that they're weak or passive. They're still stating what they believe and what they feel. That it is, it's like a tree of life. It's drawing your mind all the way back to Eden, and the picture of the Garden of Eden where the tree of life was planted was a place of what? Perfection, paradise, healing, healthy relationships before the fall. It's saying that when you are soft and gentle with your response because you've listened and you're also mindful of what you consume, that you can heal brokenness, you can revive, you can restore, but when you're harsh and when you're aggressive with your tone, what happens? You destroy, you break the spirit, it says, of the person because you've wounded them, you've injured Mother Teresa says this, kind words can be short and easy to speak, but their echoes are truly endless. That's what Proverbs is saying, right? Kind words can be short and thoughtful and careful, and they can be easy to speak as they come out because you've been listening. But the effect is endless. The way that they reverberate in someone's soul, and they revive them, and they heal them, has such a deeper effect than just the simple words that you spoke. So, what it's saying here so far in Proverbs is that wisdom is an understanding that your words have great power. And then you're also mindful and careful with what you consume because you know it will come out in your speech. And before you speak in conversations, especially ones that are contentious, you are careful and quick to listen. And when you speak, you're thoughtful with your words. You're very careful with what you say. But I love that Proverbs also says this last part. You're always real. You're genuine. You're authentic. You're honest. Proverbs 12 says, whoever speaks the truth gives honest evidence, but a false witness utters deceit. See, it's saying when you speak, you're to speak the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth to help you God, Right? but a fool is a false witness. And you hear this and you're like, of course, you know? Of course you're supposed to be real and honest when you speak. And maybe you think to yourself, I'm honest. Yeah, I'm, I always, I keep it 100, you know? That's twice in the last two months that I've said that. <laughs> you're like, I'm honest, I'm a real person. But the, in truth, here's what's true. We are all false witnesses. Every one of us, we are all deceptive with our words for many different reasons, right? Sometimes we're deceptive for personal gain because we know if we don't actually share what we really think and believe, if we're not real, we might get ahead, Or we're deceptive and we're false witnesses because we don't want, we know what's going to happen. If we're really honest, we know the conversation is going to, it's going to be hard. It's going to be difficult. It's going to be an hour or two, maybe three hours long. And so we just, you know, we keep it in. We don't say what's really on our mind, what we really feel. Maybe sometimes we're deceptive and we're false witnesses because we want to prop ourselves up. We want to make other people think that we're great, you know. So we exaggerate some things. We say some things. We're deceptive because we, we just don't want to be vulnerable. You know, someone says to us, hey, how are you doing? Good. And we're inside, You're like, everything's falling down in my life. You know, we're like, I'm great. Two thumbs up. So we don't want to be vulnerable. We don't want to be real. We're deceptive, right? We're not real. We're not honest a lot of the times. None of us are, myself included. See, we value truth, right? We want our news to be true, We want the websites that we go and we read for information to be true. We want other people to be true to us and to be honest. But at times, we can play fast and loose with truth. And sometimes, we speak truth, but behind people's backs, right? That's what Proverbs says next. It says, Proverbs 16, a dishonest man spreads strife and a whisperer separates close friends. See, gossip is like slander, because gossip is using your words as a sword, but you're too cowardly to actually stab the person as they're looking at you, so you stab them in the back when they're not looking, when they don't know that you're talking about them. Gossip is cowardly slander. It's it's saying, you know, I'm going to be honest, I just really care about this person, I just, but I'm, never, I'm not going to tell them, right, because that would be an uncomfortable conversation. That may be a difficult conversation, but I'm going to tell all these other people about what I think. And then sometimes, even in those situations, when we're in conversations where people are gossiping about other people, what do we do? We're not honest, we're not real. We just kind of sit there, we don't want to cause, you know, an uncomfortable situation. I mean, how many times have you been in a conversation? You, you can think about how many times you've been in a conversation where people are gossiping about other people. Like a lot, right? How many times have you been in a conversation where people are gossiping about other people and then someone says, Hey, 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 guys, why are- we shouldn't do that. Like if you feel that way, like go tell them. Maybe a couple times. right? <laughs> because we're afraid of that. We're, it's, it's, it's scary. To be honest and to be real and to to share. You may be thinking, I can't believe these people are saying all these things, but you're not going to share that because that could create a weird environment. Or maybe you're prone and your proclivity is to gossip because you're afraid of actually telling the person face to face. It's it's difficult. But Proverbs is saying here is that if you are not honest with someone, if you're not honest with how you feel, you're not loving what it says in Proverbs 24, 26. Whoever gives an honest answer kisses the lips. Maybe if you're doing personal worship this week, you're like, what? Whoever gives an honest answer kisses the lips must be some weird stuff in Solomon's time. But what it's saying here is that, you know, kissing someone's lips is an expression of love. It's comparing this, right? So it's saying when you are honest with someone, even if it's going to be a difficult conversation even if you know it's going to cause a little bit of contention because you're stepping up in a conversation, even if you're afraid that it may affect you personally or professionally, it's an expression of love. Which means the inverse is true as well, right? If you're deceptive for any reason, that means you're hateful. Or at the minimum, you're at least neglecting of the other person. Jesus says this, right? Love your neighbor. So what does that mean? Right? Your neighbor is anyone you come in contact with. It, it's your friends, it's your family members, it's your spouse, it's your boyfriend, it's your girlfriend, it's your kids, it's that person at work that you can't stand. It's a person who has every belief opposite of yours and every time you talk with them, it's just like you cannot stand it. Every person you come in contact with is your neighbor. And Jesus says, love your neighbor. And Proverbs says that if you love someone, you are honest and real with them. And if you're deceptive, then you're neglecting them. And maybe you're responding and treating them with hate because you're not being real. You're not being honest. See, the person that, that follows what Proverbs says here, they're careful what they consume. They're quick to listen, they're very careful with how they speak, they're honest, even when it's hard and difficult and uncomfortable, they understand that wise speech is powerful. Proverbs 25 says, a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in a setting of silver. Here's what it's saying. When you speak wisely, when you speak wisely, use the right words at the right time because you've listened, it's like a sweet fragrance of great value. You're bringing great value to the conversation. It's like golden apples, but golden apples in a setting of silver. It's golden apples It's of great value in an environment that is impressive, is influential, that wise speech is powerful. You're not only bringing great value to the conversation, but you're also being very influential. It's what it says in, in verse 15, with patience a ruler may be persuaded and a soft tongue will break a bone. What it's speaking about is when you are wise in your speech, it is influential because you create conversation, not confrontation. So much so that your speech may be able to break a bone. What is a bone? It is something that is hardened and rigid so what is it speaking about? It's saying when you are wise with your speech, the person that you're speaking to that may be hardened and may have this position that is rigid and there's no way they're going to break on it, but when you're wise in how you handle what comes out of your mouth, you may actually break that argument. You may open up conversation where if you were just to respond like we normally do without listening with a harsh word or a harsh tone, that bone is it's going to harden up even more, and there's no way you're going to be able to have a conversation. See, many of you here have experienced this, that wise speech is powerful, and here's why you've experienced it, because you've heard the words of Jesus. Listen to what he says, for God so loved the world, look at every word here, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Maybe the most famous passage in all of the Bible. God loved you so much that he gave his son Jesus to die for you even though you don't deserve it. You haven't earned it. You can never be good enough. You don't have to worry about, am I 51% good so God will let me into heaven? You don't have to worry about that. He gave his only son that if you what? Say it. Believe in me, you'll have eternal life. Powerful, carefully crafted words, knowing our soul, being empathetic with those rigid and tight positions that we have. These words can break us down. And Jesus says this He says, I've said these things to you in John 16 that. In me, you may have peace. In the world, you will have tribulation, but take heart, I've overcome the world. Powerful, influential, impressive words Jesus is saying to you Now you've come to understand, you've trust me, and you have salvation in me because of me, and you're guaranteed eternal life. Listen, in in this life, you're gonna have trouble. You're gonna have tribulation, but you can find peace in me and take heart because I've overcome the world. But sometimes Jesus says really difficult things because he's real. He's always honest, even when it's not convenient. And here's what he says in Matthew 7. Maybe one of the most terrifying verses in all of the Bible. Jesus says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who's in heaven. Right? He's just said before, that the basis of salvation is not works, it's not being good, it's not how many times you've served or how much money you've given away or how many curse words you did or didn't use, right? None of those things. It's solely belief for those who believe in me will have eternal life. But here he says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, is going to enter the kingdom of heaven because, but it's just those who do the will of my Father, See, what Jesus is saying, even though it's difficult to hear and it's honest and it may be hard for some people to swallow, this is wise and loving speech because what he's saying is listen, if you have come to trust in me in faith, it's going to change you. He's saying that salvation is not a change in your vernacular just because you say something doesn't mean it's true because we are prone to be deceptive, right? We've already seen that. We're prone to be deceptive. He's saying just because you say, Lord, Lord, doesn't mean that there's actually been a heart change. Because when you believe in me, when you trust in me, it changes your heart, which changes your behavior. It's difficult to hear, but it's loving. It's important for us to understand that, that we don't just believe that all we have to say is Jesus is Lord and then we're done. It has to be real. We have to really believe it because we actually have to listen to his words. And when you listen to his words and you believe, it changes your heart. And then Jesus spoke the most powerful words in human history when he said this. Three words. It is, say it with me, finished. It is finish. He's hanging on the cross. He's bloodied. He's, he's been tortured and he's beating. He's suffocating. Pain is shooting through his whole entire body. And he's doing this for you and for me, right? Because of our sin. Our sin deserves death and we've been separated from God because of our failures and, and Jesus is sacrificing his life. He's making a payment for us. And as he's sitting there and as he's being hung and as he's dying, he says these last words... They're the most powerful and influential words ever uttered. It is finished. Which confirms everything he said before, where he says, listen, you don't have to earn salvation. You don't have to worry about being 51% good. You have to believe and me, and it's finished. You're safe, you're guaranteed eternal life. You're in relationship now with the Father. You're gonna see heart change, transform your life. It's not just in your mind, it's in your heart. Because you've listened to my word, where I've said to you, I have done it for you. It's finished, it's done. This is careful, loving, honest, wise speech. Jesus models this for us. And this is what Proverbs tells us to think about as we speak. Are we careful about what we consume? Are we quick to listen, to understand how the other person feels and what they think? And when we do speak, are we gentle with our words? Not trying to cause confrontation, but actually trying to have conversation. And are we always honest, even when it's difficult? I think one of the things that we have to remember in order for this to be a reality in our life because we're going to struggle, we are deceptive people. We don't want to be honest. We don't want to be mindful and careful about what we consume. We want to consume whatever we feel like consuming. We don't want to wait to listen. We want to interject our opinion. Sometimes we actually want to pull out our words and use them like swords because we're mad. We're going to fail at this and I'm going to fail at this. I'm going to fail at this this week. That's why we have to remember something. We have to be mindful about what we listen to. Most importantly, that we're actually living listening to the most loving and powerful influential words ever, God's word. Are you filling your mind and your heart with God's word? Because what you put in your mind comes out in your speech. Let's pray.